going to talk about a couple of things tonight from the Bible. How many of you uh, have heard of addictions? And, and uh, you've heard that addictions are a, a bad thing. And by and large, they are. But we're going to talk about one tonight that really isn't. And in 1 Timothy 4, when we close out this chapter, in verse number 15, it says, Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Now, all of the things that we have gone through verse by verse in chapter 4 is now what we are to meditate upon. It's a summation of the chapter. And wholeheartedly, we really need to think about what we've learned through chapter number 4. So often we hear things and then it's, okay, we've got it and then it's gone. We don't really spend time in prayer or spend time in meditation, letting it soak in. So when we see this in verse number 15, that meditate means you got to let this stuff soak in. And it says, give thyself wholly to them. We talked about reading. Remember, we talked about exhortation. We talked about doctrine in this chapter. Well, the idea now is you got to give yourself over to those things. Um, we all know if you've been saved any length of time, you receive from the Holy Spirit a spiritual gift or gifts. And if you remember, we, we talked about, hey, if you neglect that gift, that's not something God wants. He wants us to instead give ourselves wholly over to those gifts that God has given each and every one of us. And if you are saved, you have a place in God's work with the gifts that God's Holy Spirit has given you. Look, no man can take that away. No preacher can take that away. No local church can take that away. That is an asset to the body of believers. You giving yourself wholly over to the gifts that God has given you. Your thought life. Your, your activity in your life, what is, what is it consumed with? We know we need to work our jobs. We know we need to take care of our families. We know we need to do all of the necessities to live here on earth. But doesn't the Bible say whatsoever you do? <laughs> is there some saturation of the Lord in everything that we do? We want our atmosphere to be genuinely, wholly soaked in and meditating upon the Lord. It should be a genuine thing. It shouldn't be an artificial. It shouldn't be AI. <laughs> it shouldn't be AI generated. It should be real. It should be real. Natural outcome of your inward life. All right, let's go to 1 Corinthians 16. First Corinthians 16. If somebody ever says to you, hey, what's wrong with your pastor? You can use this verse to explain to them what's wrong with me. I, I strive to uh, live out some verses in the Bible. I'm sure you do too. Um, let's read what it says, and then we'll make some comment. First Corinthians 16, look at verse number 
14, let all your things be done with charity. Beautiful verse. And then it says, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have, here's the word I mentioned earlier, addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Everything that we do should be soaked in with what? What does verse 14 tell us? Charity. Charity, 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 charity. That's, I mean, we should be a sponge just soaking in charity. And then at the end of verse number 15, we find brethren, Paul, and it says they addicted themselves to the ministry of who? The saints. Now, I was taught growing up that a saint was a dead person. And then when I started reading the Bible and people started teaching me the Bible, I realized, oh, wait a minute. No, it's not. They are living people. Wow. Wow. I'm St. James. <laughs> yeah. St. Josiah. You know, say, look, we're saints of God. And we should, with a life of charity, be addicted to ministering to each other. We really should. That is what a local church family does. We minister to each other. And it has to be a life full of charity. And it says that ye submit yourselves unto such. <laughs> Do you know sometimes you just have to submit to allowing someone to minister to you? And vice versa. Well, I don't need no help. We should submit ourselves to when someone wants to help us. <laughs> God forbid if somebody comes here and says, hey, I'd like to help out. No, we don't need your help, buddy. <laughs> what is, well, no. We want to submit ourselves to allowing everybody to play a part. And to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. You're going to need some charity to labor. You're going to need some charity to help. You're going to need some charity to receive help. But it's all there. It's an addiction to those things. You replace bad addictions with a good one. The ministry. Doing the work of the ministry. I really like that verse. And then verse 17, of course, I like it because it says, I am glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus. <laughs> so, look, I hope people are glad that I'm here in Cookville, Tennessee. But, but I, I, I like that verse, obviously, because of the name there. But that's all we know about Fortunatus. The only thing we know about him in the Bible is that Stephanus and Fortunatus and uh, Achaicus, um, we know that when they came, People were glad that they showed up. And you don't really know. We don't know anything else about them. But we can apply this to our lives. We should live a life in such a way that when we show up, people are glad that we're there. People are glad that we're there. Look at Acts chapter 6. Acts 6. Go back a few books in the Bible to Acts chapter 6. They needed some help. The ministry was growing and 
some widows were being neglected. And so people are murmuring about this. And in verse number two, the Bible says, Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Because the ministry of the word of God is of, is of importance. So if I leave the ministry of the word to do different things, those different things might get done. But what's going to happen is the ministry of the word is going to suffer. So that ministry needed some help. And so they got some help. They looked out and they found some men of honest report and they were able to appoint them some business to do. And that that look, when that happens at a local church, that helps the preacher and the leaders be able to study and stay in the word, the ministry of the word. And then it allows the other work, the other ministry that has to be done. It allows that to get done, too. So it all gets done. And that's the way it should be. As evidenced in Acts in Acts six and look at verse number four, it says, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. If you don't give yourself wholly to the gifts that God has given you, we can't be as effective as a local body. It's going to be impossible for the minister, the preacher, to stay wholly focused on the ministry of the word, which is of utmost importance, if, if he's got to take care of all the widows. Now, he's going to be involved at some level, obviously, but the principle here is what? All of us working together, laboring together, ministering to and for each other. Somebody comes in, they need help. We should be ministering to them. Somebody comes in, wants to get plugged in and help. We should have a spot for them to plug in so that they can help. They can labor with us. Give yourself wholly, wholly to what Lord has blessed you with. Back in... Um, Go back to 1 Timothy 4 and then also get, uh, stay in 1 Corinthians, but get chapter 3. I guess go back to 1 Corinthians, get chapter 3. 1 Corinthians 3 and 1 Timothy 4. The Bible says uh, in 1 Timothy 4, verse number 15, Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them. And then it ends with this phrase, that thy profiting may appear to all. Talked to a pastor a few days ago and it, uh, you know, hey, what do you, what do you know about such and such? Or what can you tell me about such and such? Um. And you know why pastors get phone calls like that? Because they want to know. It's going to appear to all. They want to know, hey, is that guy a stand-up guy? Is that person above reproach? What can you tell me about their testimony? What do you know about them? And you love giving a thumbs up and an A+. Plus and man, yeah, 
What a blessing he is. What a blessing she is. And the reason Christians do that, the reason pastors do that is because we want, our, our, we want it to be profitable to all. We don't want somebody to come in and then we give out too much line and it's enough line for them to hang themselves or somebody else. We've all been in situations like that. We want it to be profitable. Everybody's watching. Everybody's looking. And so when you give yourself wholly over to the ministry, you want the profiting to, to be evidence to everyone. It's good to have others vouch for you. We're not going to talk about this tonight. I'll just mention it. But churches would have letters of commendation that would be sent. If you're coming from Idaho, you would come from Idaho with a letter from your pastor, a letter of commendation. Now you'd come to Tennessee. Now that's not a requirement, but you see that pattern or that evidence in the Bible. That's the same idea. You want the thing to be profitable. You want to have some, some vouching. What do you see in businesses or um, ladies and gentlemen, before you buy something on Amazon, what are you looking at? Who said, who said this about that before you buy it? Cause you want it to be profitable. You don't want to waste your time or your money. Businesses do it with testimonials. Online businesses do it with reviews and we want to do it as Christians. Go to first Corinthians three. I ask you to turn there. Look at the um, 1 Corinthians 3. Look at verse number 6. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. You get some people planting, some people watering. Look down at this at verse number 9. The planting and, uh, and the watering, and then it, it goes into, for we are laborers together with God. You're God's husbandry. You're God's building all that labor and planting and watering. We're doing it together. Uh, look at verse number 10. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. Planting, watering, laboring, putting down foundations. Somebody else is going to come on after you and they're going to build on that foundation. And what do we find out in verse number 11? The most important foundation is what? For other foundation can no man lay, and that is laid, which is what? Jesus, which is who, really? Jesus Christ. That's, Chris, that's who you're laboring for. That's who we are laboring for. You planting, sister, you watering, brother. You laboring. It's all for the Lord. It's all for the Lord. I might not get a high five from you. I might not get a good job from you. You might not get that from me. It's nice. I'm not saying we shouldn't do it. But ultimately, who are we working for? It's, for? it's all for God. It's all for God. And I brought that out because here comes verse number 13. Every man's work shall be made manifest. It's going to appear. It's going to be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. What sort is it? This is 
Verse 14, if any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. This is not a man losing his salvation. This is not a sister or a brother losing their salvation. It is a sister or brother losing their reward. As clearly seen in verse number 14. Now watch it says in verse 15. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So your works that you do as a saved person. The most profitable work that you can do is that which is for the Lord Jesus Christ. And one day you will receive a reward for that. You're going to be judged by God based on your works that you did for him. Your sins already been taken care of on the cross. But all of your works now are going to be burned up if it's not worth nothing for, e for an eternal purpose. It's going to be gone. And that which remains that was for the Lord, you'll receive a reward for that. And the loss that would be suffered would be a loss of reward, not a loss of salvation. You still have an eternal home in heaven. Praise the Lord. And loss of the blessing that you would receive down here from helping someone else out. Let's not forget that. Let's not forget that. Go back to 1 Timothy 4. Look at the last verse, verse 16. Um, people have all kinds of ideas about uh, all kinds of things in the Bible, and uh, a lot of them... Uh, everything in the Bible is important, but one of the most basic tenets of Christianity after you get saved is to come assemble with other saved people. And it's amazing to me that the people that argue online or the people that um, have all these um, strange doctrines or, you know, th th this contentious attitude are the ones that really never stick around in church. <laughs> how are you? If you're that spiritual and you're that smart, how are you ever going to help your preacher or the fellow members of the body? How are you ever going to help them if you don't minister with them and labor with them and plant with them and water with them? How? We, if I need help and you can help me and if you're not here, I can't get help. We should be getting a hold of the basics before we go out and want to get all the advanced stuff. And that's really the idea behind ministry. Get in with God's people and, and help them out. First Timothy 4, last verse in the chapter. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them for in doing this. Thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. In, in verse 16, who is the person that you must take heed unto first? 
<laughs> Young people, <laughs> you got to take heed unto yourself. Don't worry about what brother's doing or friend's doing or sister's doing or cousin's doing. Take heed unto thyself. What about you? What about you? Look at Psalms 19. Psalms 19. Look at verse number 14. This should be a memory verse for all of us, really. You may have most of it or some of it memorized. You hear it, you'll, you'll, it'll be familiar. Psalm 19, uh, let's read verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength, my Redeemer. Worry about what your mouth says. Worry about what your heart meditates upon. You want to meditate upon something? Get your heart right with God. Parents can only help their kids so much. They got to help them a whole lot of much in the very early ages. But you get to 13, 14, 15 and and on. It's going to be your heart with God. Your mind, your mouth. Better take heed, all of us, all of us to ourselves. 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10. Verse number 12. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth, here's the phrase again, take heed, lest he what? Fall. Young people, stand up for one second, right in your pews. Just stand right where in your pews. Stand up real tall, as tall as you can. I mean, come on your tippy toes if you can. Come on your tippy toes. Get your shoulders back. Get your chin up. I mean, really put up a posture like you're, you're it. I mean, you are, you have arrived. It's like you're the mayor in town, you know, like you're important. I mean, get as important as you can be. Now take heed lest you fall. <laughs> okay. You'll be careful of those things. You stand up too tall. You liable to get knocked down. All right. Have a seat. Thank you. Young people stand up for Jesus. Don't stand up for yourself. <laughs> Stand up for Jesus. Take heed lest you fall. Look at verse number 14. Verse number 14. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Flee from idolatry. Flee means to move away from it as quickly as possible. Don't stick around and try to learn more about it. Get out of there. That'll help you not. That'll help you. Take heed unto yourself. You have to flee idolatry. Look at verse 23. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. We like the first part. All things are lawful for me. So you'll give yourself an excuse to do something when you really should ask the same thing here. But all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. It might be lawful for you to do something or go somewhere or think something uh, or have a conversation about something with somebody. 
But if it's not going to be expedient, if it's not going to be edifying to the saints, just leave it. Leave it. Take heed unto yourself. Here's something I've learned in my life. I'm, I'm just a stubborn person. And I don't have to have something to say. I mean, I'm a preacher, so I have to have something to say. You see what I'm, but I hope you get what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Take heed unto thyself. We don't have to have the last word. I don't have to win the argument. You don't have to show that brother that he's wrong and just hit him over the head with it. It might be lawful for you to show him that he's wrong, but it might not be expedient. It might not be what he needs right now. It might not edify him. It might be best to just leave it aside, return to it later when the emotions are down and the storm blows over. Take heed. Because we'll fall. What did we say earlier in the message that we should all have? Charity. Charity. If we don't have charity, what does knowledge do? It's like blowing that balloon like we did a couple Sunday school classes ago. That balloon's going to just puff you up. Charity, please. We all need to watch out for that. Take heed under ourselves. Look at verse 31. In 1 Corinthians 10. Wherefore, where, uh, whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Now I'll just tell you a quick example. It's really, really hard to go to a restaurant nowadays, unless it's fast food. It's really hard to go to a sit-down restaurant where they don't have a section where they sell the devil's brew. It's hard. And I, I've known Christians in the past who, because of their past or just because of just pure personal conviction, they just won't go to any restaurant to eat if alcohol is being served there. Now, I respect that. And I'm not going to fight with a brother. Well, brother, you just sit in another section. You don't have to look at it. You don't have to drink it. You don't have to... Why would I fight with somebody over that when he has a conviction? And you know what? He's fully persuaded in his mind that whatever I eat, whatever I do, I am not going near that with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> and, and praise the Lord. I'm not going to fight with anybody over that. Whatever we do. Every family does these things a different way, but we need to keep our testimonies above reproach. Whatever you do, whatever you eat, wherever you go to eat. And I've said before, going to a restaurant, and it, hey, uh, we'd like to have a seat away from the bar, please. And every time I've been accommodated, because you're basically telling them, I don't want to sit near that. <laughs> it's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. Where is that in the Bible? I think the principle is, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, we don't always need a black and white commandment. God gave us a brain to think through some biblical principles so we can make some decisions for ourselves so we don't fall in our families. It says, do all the glory of God. Give none offense 
neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. And that's how we should live our lives, even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many. They may be saved. We don't want to tarnish our testimony. James chapter number one talks about you got to watch your temper. Let's go. Might as well turn there. We've got time. I didn't think it was it's earlier than I thought. James, uh, James chapter number one. James one. Uh, verse number 19, James chapter number one. Take heed, brethren and sistren. Look at verse number 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak. Gentlemen, that's us. Sometimes the best we can do is just slow it down. Not talk, not have something to say. Slow to wrath. You know what God's telling us? We need to watch our temper. Because it's going to hurt us and somebody else. Chapter 5, watch what it says. James chapter number 5. What else? What else should we take heed toward? James 5. Bible says in verse number eight, be ye also patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord, draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another. You want to take heed? God says, hey, be patient and don't hold grudges. Anybody have trouble with that in the past? Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering affliction and of patience. You can be patient. You cannot hold grudges. You just think of those Old Testament prophets and what they went through. You can do it. In 1 Thessalonians 5.22, the modern church don't like this verse, but it says, abstain from all appearance of evil. And so their big thing is, well, the Bible doesn't give us, we, the Bible doesn't say anything about not doing this or not doing that. Or, no, it doesn't, but it does give us a clear principle to abstain from all appearance of evil. If it appears evil, abstinence is the best escape route. God gives you the way of escape by giving you this verse, abstain from all appearance of evil. People talk about good witches and bad witches. They're okay, they're, but it's witchcraft. So abstain from all the appearance. Well, there's a black witch and a white witch. Abstain from all appearance of evil. There's so many principles that you can make application to for that. But then it goes on in 1 Timothy chapter number 4. You want to look at verse number 16. It says, for in doing this, thou shalt save, thou shalt both save thyself. Now, this is not eternal salvation for your soul. It's a physical salvation that's being talked about. This is written to believers. You already have eternal life. So this is about physical salvation. You're saving yourself from the danger of falling into error. And I want to save you from that. You want to save me from that. We want to save each other from that. Go to the book of Isaiah. The nation had this problem. And it's a picture of 
uh, it's a real good apl uh, applicable picture for where we're at in America today. Isaiah chapter number one. Look at verse number, oh man, it's so bad. Isaiah chapter number one, look at verse four. Ah, sinful nation. A people laden with iniquity. A seed of evildoers. Children that are corruptors. Young people, you are blessed to have parents that bring you to a midweek church service. I don't think you're going to even be able to understand the blessing of that until you're maybe 30. <laughs> that is a huge, that's a huge benefit in your life. In Isaiah chapter number one, the nation was so wholly given to idolatry that the parents were so wicked that the children were corrupt. That's how deep-seated it is. And if we don't raise our kids in the ways of the Lord, all we are doing is setting them up for a corrupt life. We need to do all we can do to protect them and keep them safe and get them into a good local church family and teach them how to pray to the one true living God. Not the Father Sky and Mother Nature and hugging trees and doing all this save the earth stuff. No, the creator. This nation has gone wicked. They have forsaken the Lord, verse 4. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel into anger. They're all gone away backward. Why would you be stricken anymore? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. The whole heart is faint. God tells the whole nation, you guys are sick in the head. And he's disgusted with them. Verse number six, from the sole of the foot, even under the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. It's just open wounds and sickness. And I'm afraid to say, folks, that carnal American Christianity is just that. And God helping us, I don't ever, ever want to be that Christian, that church, ever. I want to do all things well and pleasing to my Lord and Savior. I trust you would as well but it says save thyself and them that hear thee did you ever think about man it'd be great you meet somebody in heaven and you find out that you've helped them you've saved them from getting in falling into doctrinal error how many of you young people play a sport or have played a sport even if it's for fun okay and uh okay so what do you play Milani. Basketball. Okay, basketball. So when you when you show up, you're you're a basketball player, right? Okay. And that doesn't change. You show up, you've got the basketball, and you're you're gonna go play basketball. You're a basketball player, nobody's taking that away from you. But you know what happens when you get to basketball practice? 
there's a coach there. And the coach says, uh, no, do that. You're doing that wrong. Do it this way. And what do you say? I don't want to. What are you, legalistic? <laughs> now you say, oh, yeah, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And the coach says, well, I want you to do it a few more times because I, I want you to create the habit of doing it good because you've done it wrong for so long. I want you to create a good habit, right? And so you got you to dribble that ball a certain way so that no one can steal it from you. And you say, yes, sir. And so you show up, you're a basketball player. That's not going to change. But what does change is your growth and how well you get at being a basketball player. I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. That's not changing. I am a born again Christian. Are you? That's not going to change. But you know what can change in us? We can grow. And we can get better at being a Christian because it just might save someone else from falling into error. Here, follow me. And we all fall into a ditch, break our neck. That's carnal Christianity, which really doesn't even make sense. It's like saying jumbo shrimp. They're so small. Why do you call them jumbo? There's no such thing as jumbo shrimp. There's no such thing as a carnal Christian. There ought not be. Or ought not be. That coach is going to correct you, exhort you, and you're going to be better for it. Save thyself and them that hear thee. There's a hiker. He's, he's uh, sinking from exhaustion in a snowstorm. They're on a mountain hike exploration. He looks behind and he sees his friend. He's in the snow, almost passed out, and he's helpless. So the hiker that was ahead of him, he's already suffering from his own exhaustion being trapped in this snowstorm, but he forgets about himself and he goes to the aid to help his friend. You know, and he rubs his hands. Try that, young people. Get your hands together, rub them. He's creating some heat, you know, and he, and, he, and, he, and he takes his friend's hand and he puts his hand on him and he helps rub his hands. And then, you know, he, he takes his hands and real hard, he starts rubbing his chest to create some friction and just some heat. And he's trying to warm him up and revive him. And his friend revives. He forgot about his problem and his exhaustion. And he went back and he helped the one that he loved. Are you a Christian that's been saved for 10, 15, 20, 30 years and you're way ahead of the pack? <laughs> and you're so far ahead of the pack because you've been saved for a long time and you might take some things for granted because, I mean, I do. <laughs> and uh, maybe you got your own exhaustion. You're suffering from their own problems in your own life, right? We all have problems. We might want to just kind of turn back and help the one maybe hasn't come just as far as we have yet. Sacrifice ourselves for them. Save that person. Well, they're a Christian. They're on their way to heaven. They have an eternal home and they're eternally secure. Yeah, praise the Lord. But right now, he's not in his eternal home in heaven. <laughs> right now, he's dying from exhaustion. Help him. Help her. It's just spending your life in service to the glorious creator God who saved us. And that should be a beautiful thing that people see. Don't be just content with, 
Well, I'm saved and going to heaven. Well, no kidding, so am I. But there are others that aren't. And there's others that are that might need our help. Do you know that there are Christians that are addicted to things and it's not the ministry? You know we can help them replace the bad addictions with things that are good and honoring to the Lord? Well, they're saved. They're going to heaven. Yeah, but that's not what this verse is talking about. Why don't you help save them physically from some from continual problems that they'll have down here on earth. So that's the idea there. So that's chapter 4. And to, to summarize the chapter, we started off, we started off with protecting against false doctrine of devils, liars, people with dead consciences, really people that have absolutely no ability to grasp truth. Okay? And then it moved into what food is acceptable. It's acceptable if you pray over it and the conduct that is acceptable. And then the chapter moved on to there's two types of exercise, bodily versus spiritual. Look, you have a healthy body. You can do more for the Lord. You'll, live, you'll have more years here on earth. But then the spiritual, it's gonna, you have a spiritually healthy body that's going to keep you from sin, going to keep your kids from sin. It's going to strengthen your inner man. And then it moved into Christ, who is the Savior of all men. He came as a man. He suffered and died as a man. His death was for all men because he bore all men's sins. And he's willing to die and save any man. And then the chapter ends with, Now take heed unto thyself and doctrine and all the things that we just reviewed that we went through in that chapter. Mm -hmm.